Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bible Ask Live, where we answer your Bible questions live here on our weekly show. My name's Tina with my friends, Jane Wendy. Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. Hello. We're good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you guys again. Likewise. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And we want to welcome all of you, our viewers out there, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and tonight we're starting on Instagram too. So welcome to everybody who's out there on all of our social media platforms. We just are so grateful that you've decided to join us this evening and we can open up God's word to answer your Bible questions. Now, if you are new to the show, we just want to remind you that this is a live show. So if you have questions or comments or anything you want to say, on the fly, be sure to put them down in the comment section below. We always love interacting with our audience out there. It's always a lot of fun. And we, um, we're we so blessed because we get to talk to people all over the world. So it's just a blessing to be able to interact and hang out with you guys out there, our audience. And um, if you're returning, we just want to thank you for joining us again. And be sure to, um, to tell us hi and and ask a question or make a comment or anything you feel like sharing with us tonight. We are always blessed by your guys's input. So before we start, though, we always start with the word of prayer. So Jay or Wendy, you want to pray for us? Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this sacred time that we can now gather together in the name of your Son, and we pray your Spirit be with us all to bring us into oneness in your truth. And may we think, speak, be moved by influence and hear only your truth, your words. And this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Now, tonight we have a little bit of a different way to start the show. Usually we start um, by diving into our questions. And we do have questions that we're going to get to this evening. But we wanted to start with something just to kind of give a response uh, to something we that came across our path, and we just really felt the need to address it with a biblical perspective because it is such a serious issue or serious topic. And it's something that um, started uh, or something that is streaming on um, on a um, <laughs> you know streaming service. and basically it's a it's a show for children that um, basically, says a different side of the Luciferian story. And so we'll go ahead and play it. And we'll just, we just want to share what we saw and just kind of some biblical points to uh, keep in mind when you're thinking about whether or not this is something that you or, you, or your family should, you know, um, consider as a form of entertainment and maybe why it's something you should be, you know, very, <laughs> be warned about. Yeah. So the question here is what's your thoughts on the new Hasbun Hotel show on Amazon? So this is something being marketed uh, to families everywhere now and seemingly for children, but uh, I want to think twice about that. Yeah. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to play it and then we will pause it at times and react to talk about this is biblically accurate or this isn't and uh, talk about some of the really subtle at times nuances here that just take it from being, oh, this, this is cool, it's accurate to just, wow, this is something we got to watch out for. So if our producer's ready, let's go ahead and let's start the, um, we're going to be reacted to like the first two minutes of the show. This is available on YouTube. So we're just going to play it, watch it, react to it. And are we able to get the audio on it? Yeah, I don't hear the audio. So there's an audio that goes through and it's describing heaven and 
it actually starts off with a remarkably accurate description of heaven where it describes, you know, you see there, there's sort of like the holy mountain. You see, it talks about beings of light. And so far, all this is fairly accurate. I was like, oh, wow, this is the most accurate description I've seen of heaven. And we'll also note the music that's playing here is very like Disneyland and whimsical and feels all happy and positive. And so it kind of it, it draws you in as something something enticing and beautiful, potentially. Yeah. And the fact that it's so animated in such a way that's so child centered, um, it's definitely targeting that audience, which is a little bit scary. But again, we'll go back and see if we can get the audio. It was ruled by beings of pure light, angels that worshipped good and shook all from. I want to say this is kind of um, this is actually an ongoing meme where people do lots of these memes of quote unquote biblically accurate angels. And so you see here angels with many eyes and wheels within wheels all around them. And we see these, for example, described in Ezekiel. Now, there's some people almost joke like all angels in the Bible look like this. And the reality is only some of the cherubim that Ezekiel saw look like that. And it's not necessarily saying this is like literally what they look like. It could be very metaphorical language, suggesting that these are, are creatures who have real good knowledge. They see almost all that's going on. So it, it is blown a little bit out of proportion. But at the same time, those who like the memes would probably relate to what they're seeing here evil. Lucifer was one of these angels. He was a dreamer with fantastical ideas for all of creation, but he was seen as a troublemaker by the elders of heaven, for they felt his way of thinking was dangerous to the order of their world. So he watched as the angels... Pause it here first. Yeah. Yeah. So... Is it, is it accurate that Lucifer first was among the Spare heavenly the beings? Yeah. I mean, just the way they portray Lucifer as a dreamer and like he's got a top hat, like he's fun. He's like a circus leader. You know, the way that they they portray him is like something happy, something good and somebody misunderstood and just really trying to portray him in a, a very different light. Yeah, and I almost wonder if they go for like the Jacobean hat maybe or, or something. That, there's definitely some symbolism there. Or is it sort of like the Joker hat like for... Um, like when you're playing cards, the Joker there, who knows? Um, definitely they're going for a symbolism there. But then, yeah, he they, they're talking about how he caused trouble in heaven. And he's like, he just meant for the best, but poor him, you know, heaven didn't like what he was doing. Again, there's like some truth there, right? Maybe do you have a verse you want to talk about where uh, he was he was trafficking ideas in heaven? That was going on. That was why he gets kicked out. Yeah, but it, and that's in Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, I believe, uh, because of the the um, your traffic, you know, basically how um, Satan did have different ideas, and that's true, he did, but that doesn't mean that his ideas were good. Um, you know, his ideas were dangerous, and if you look, I mean, I I can't help but always go back to you know Isaiah chapter. 14, where it talks about the fall of Lucifer and, and starting verse 12 says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you're cut down to the ground. And in verse, verse 13 says, for you've said in your heart, it's not that he had fantastic ideas. He was trying to do something fun and happy for everybody. It says, 
because he said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throat above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation. I, on the farthest sides of the north, he wanted the highest position. This is pride. This is somebody who's like the extreme narcissist. And it says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And so that is the character of Satan, not this, you know, oh, he just wants to have dreaming ideas and, and that sort of thing. This is yeah. a very different portrayal he of Lucifer. He wasn't innocent. He was yeah. intentionally undermining what is good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for his own benefit. And then he's couching it in terms of maybe, oh, it's for the benefit of the angels. And we are, you know, we angels, maybe we deserve better and we're being mistreated by God. God is the selfish one. And this is probably going to be a theme we want to touch back on is uh, what is it like to have Satan as your enemy? And and there's going to be a lot of analogies to someone who's stuck in an abusive relationship with a narcissist or a sociopath who then is projecting everything onto the other person. And what are you, what are you going to do to defend yourself in that sort of situation where reality around you is just being warped so much by the imagination almost of, of that narcissist or sociopath. Mm -hmm. So it's in, in those situations, as you probably know, that, that person is always the victim They're, you know, even while they're, they've got the power and they're abusing somebody else, they are claiming that they're the victim in every, every part of it, which is exactly what we see happening here that, Oh, Satan is just the victim of, uh, of, of what's going on in heaven, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. So let's continue the, the video in their ways from the dust of earth they created adam and lilith equals as the first of mankind it's interesting that they don't really talk about god but just these spiritual beings that i missed it the first time around but it's just talking about these creatures of light and the creatures of light do the creation and the creatures of light have a problem with with satan but it's interesting that they're not saying that there's a specific god who's over the heavenly creatures that's interesting yeah, and it's also interesting they, you know, they start with Adam, which is the biblical, you know, first created man from the dust, just like it's saying, but it says Lilith as opposed to Eve, which is very interesting because there is um a, you know, a was a Judaic um story about uh, a girl named Lilith who falls in love with Lucifer. There's um you know, there is some, you know, backstory to that, which is very very interesting. Um, and I think it was so, sort of supposed to be Adam's first wife. And what they say is there's two creations. There was Genesis 1 and then there's Genesis, Genesis, Genesis two. 2. And Eve shows up in Genesis 2, but Lilith was Genesis 1, they say. Hmm. But yet the story that we're going to see play out here has symbolism and elements of Adam and Eve, but it's Adam and Lilith. I also thought it was interesting that they just mentioned how they were created equal that these two beings were created to be equal, which is actually a biblical concept, man and women, men mm -hmm. and women were created to be equal. So that piece is true, but it doesn't mean the same, but yeah. Equal. Yeah. But where they go with this now, we'll see. Yeah. And by the way, we, there is an article on Bibleass.org about who was Lilith that, so you could go research and, and read about that for more detail if you're interested in, in about mm -hmm. Lilith. Mm -hmm. 
All right, let's keep going. Despite this, Adam demanded control, and Lilith refused to submit to his will. She the fled closet. the garden. Well, that's interesting right there. They have it so that Lilith is immediately the victim of a power-hungry Adam, mm -hmm. which we don't see that in the Bible until God says, okay, now that sin has entered the world, we're going to have uh, inequity between men and women. That's you know one of the curses of Genesis 3. But that comes after the fall, after Eve first fell, ate the fruit, and then tempted Adam to partake in it. But here, yeah, they make it look like almost the first sin was Adam here. And then poor Lilith now goes to be consoled by Satan. Or Lucifer, sorry. Uh, go ahead, continue. Drawn in by her fierce independence, Lucifer found her and the two rebellious dreamers fell deeply in love. Oh, that, it's almost an oxymoron. <laughs> rebellious dreamers. <laughs> yeah, that's just... And it's glorifying, obviously, it's like, look, it's glorifying rebellion. Um, and that's the thing, like, which is so dangerous. Again, like if you think like, oh, there's some truth to this. Yeah, there's, which is how a lie works. Because Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. And you can't have a lie work without some element of truth to it. And so um, they, they try to take, you know, that, yes, they were rebellious, but as if it's a good thing. Um, you know, just like it says, you know, cursed is he who calls evil good and good evil. But that's the way of Satan. He's, he calls his evil of rebellion something good, um, which is what is so, so, so yeah. dangerous. And, you know, God talks about, you know, rebellion um, as the sin of witchcraft. It's so dangerous. It's enchanting. It's because, you know, witchcraft invites you in. It's something that's mesmerizing. And so rebellion, it's like, ooh, what is this? You know, it's something different, something interesting. It's something I want to get wrapped up in. And, you know, that's what makes this so, such a dangerous thing to expose children to. It's like, Ooh, like maybe Lucifer actually had, there was something to this. Um, it, it portrays it as something glorified. And again, that is so dangerous to a young mind. And the tonality here in particular, you listen to the, the, the music and the way it's spoken and the energy that's going in the spirit that is behind this. It's, it is clearly a spirit of deception here, not of truth. Yeah, I mean, it's building sympathy for the rebels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, these, this is a good rebellion. This is an honor, honorable rebellion. And then it's interesting about this emphasis, again, of imagination, imagination. And we have to say there's, there is imagination in Satan. We really got to give him credit to it. But it's then imagination that's used for lies imagination that's used for destruction it's never really used for good at all where god's imagination leads to creation of new worlds to, to new life to creatures it's a complete opposite manifestation of of imagination and you know there's forms of imagination that lead to delusions and there are there is imagination that leads to creation and this is more the delusional type of imagination yeah that then seeks to bring others into into the delusion. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, go ahead and play it more. They wish to share the magic of free will with humanity, offering the fruit of knowledge to Adam's new bride, Eve, who gladly accepted. Pause it. Can pa yeah, can we pause? <laughs> oh boy, this is where I got really upset when I saw yeah, that part. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I was like, "You, Satan did not introduce free will. God gave free will since the beginning that's why god gave the 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan, it's as if Satan offered this. Satan didn't offer free will in any way, shape, or form. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. If God didn't give free will, why would we have it in the first place? And and the whole point of having the tree of knowledge of good and evil there in the middle of the garden was to permit there to be free will. Because if there's absolutely no way for Adam and Eve to sin and go against God's commands, then yeah, there wouldn't be free will. But God put that tree in the midst to give them the ability to say, God, we want to rebel against you. We don't want to listen to you. We want to go against you. That's why it was there. And they flunked that test. And or or exercise their free will, will in a way that was against God. And the irony of it is, you know, as the Bible is clear, we will always have a master. And in choosing to go along with the serpent and choosing to believe the serpent who still lies to us today, they chose to say, okay, we're, we actually want to join the rebellion. We want to be with Satan we trust him more than we trust God. Mm -hmm. And this is now how we've ended up in the mess we are. Why now most humans, most of us, or, or all of us actually start off with being burdened and in bondage of sin. And sin is a bondage. And Satan also keeps us in bondage through fear of death. And you might say, well, God is the one that causes death and all that. Um, but it's really Satan who's leveraging death against us. And using the fear of death to manipulate us, as it says in Hebrews. And it's Satan who's the accuser who's telling God that we all deserve to die. And it's God who wants to liberate us from our lust, from the from our uncontrollable bodily urges. It's God who wants to free us from or just it's almost counterintuitive. God wants to give us self-control that we may then come into harmony with his law of liberty. And, and so if you're just doing whatever you want, anything you want, just indulging everything, the irony is you're no longer in control. You're now a slave. Mm -hmm. And so say, just try to say, no, just do whatever you want. Please every urge you have. But that's like such the, you know, the mentality of somebody who's addicted, you know, mm -hmm. that the, the addicted person is like, I just need what I need. And it's like, but they don't realize that they're they're You know, they think, oh, I'm free because I'm, you know, doing when they're doing these drugs or whatever. But, you know, they're really not free. They're in total bondage. They're yeah. in chains to that, you know, that controlling substance. It creates a hunger that will never, ever be fed. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> when we follow God's ways, you know, that controlling substance. Yeah, you, you do get fed. You, you have a joy, which... Joy might never have the highs as high as, you know, ecstasy, but it's constant, it's steady, it's there, and you don't drop down and have these horrible crashes and lows as well. So, you know, most people live on this roller coaster that Satan takes us on, and most of it usually ends up down at the bottom. It's a, it's a deepening void all the yeah. time. Instead downward of, spiral. In, instead of becoming an overflowing cup, it's a, it's a, deepening sinking sinking cup or the bottomless cup that can never be never be filled and so all of us actually still find ourselves today in the garden of eden at the tree of knowledge of good and evil and it's in a sense where then we must choose are we going to believe the lies of the serpent who tells us god is a liar you know we're not going to die we're not going to have bad consequences bad consequences violating god's law and violating god's commands 
or are we going to listen to God and trust God and what he says, which is going the path of rebellion will lead to our death and destruction? That's our choice even to this day. Do, mm -hmm. Who are we going to listen to, God or the serpent? Who's here, we agree, is, is Lucifer. Lucifer was the one behind the um, what happened with Eve at the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. So go ahead. Let's, uh, anything else before we move on? No, I think, yeah. Let's play it. The curse, for with this single act of disobedience, evil finally found its way into Earth. With it, a new realm of darkness and sin, and the order heaven had worked to maintain was shattered. As punishment for their reckless act, heaven cast Lucifer and his love into the dark pit he had created, never allowing him to see the good that came from humanity. Can we Only quickly... Cool. Oh, sorry. I can't help but stop it here to just say like you know how they cast lucifer and his love as if he loved this woman he satan does not love anyone that is not his character yeah. um you know and the thing is too like when you look at you know again who he is from a biblical perspective he only loves himself mm -hmm. you know if you look at isaiah chapter again 14 verses um you know 12 through 15, which I was reading earlier, you know, he's going, I will ascend. I, me, me, me. That's his character. He doesn't love or care about anybody. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't care about her. He doesn't care about anybody. And so I, I'm, that's what's so disturbing to me again is, you know, um, like you're talking about him being this narcissist. I mean, can you imagine anybody more narcissistic than the devil? He's everything is me. I will ascend. I want worship. He does not care about anything or anybody but his own self and his own worship and his own glorification. And so when you have, you know, somebody like that, he has to then, like you're saying before, like he has to twist it as an, oh, I'm poor me. How dare you kick me out of heaven? Oh, I'm the victim. Like, like, as if he, you know, he didn't deserve it, as if he was wronged in some way, which is the most, the biggest lie of all lies. And oh, he had no idea that tempting Eve was going to lead to all this sin and death and destruction that we now see in the world. Oh, he had no idea. Yeah, and he had no idea that he was going to be cast out for this. And, you know, which, by the way, he was already cast out when it happened. And, yeah. And this just, yeah, this idea that he loves her only in the way that it's like usury it's like he's it's it's predatory it's not well just the whole concept that yeah a demon would have a real uh, a, a relationship with a female like we, we actually talked about it last week where uh, there's no biblical evidence that demons have uh, romantic relations or sexual relations at all with humans or even with other angels or, or heavenly mm -hmm. beings. Like that's not a biblical concept. All of them are portrayed as men. All of them more or less portrayed as being asexual. They don't marry. Like, yeah. And the thing is too, like when God created Adam and Eve, like you read about in Genesis chapter one, you know, it says in the beginning, God created, you know, man, you know, male and female created he, him, uh, male and female created he, them. He created them in the image of God male and female, you know, Adam and Eve were created in God's image. And so God never speaks of that 
about the angels, which is what is different about humans and angels. Like, yeah, we're less than the angels and that we don't have those, you know, magnificent powers that angels do. We, you know, we can't fly, we can't do certain things, but we have the power to procreate. And that's what makes humans different than angels. That's why we're made in the image of God is we have that creative ability in us that God alone has given to us. And what's sad, which is so sad, and I, I see it so clearly as far as, you know, how Satan just perverted, you know, this gift of, you know, procreation into something, you know, what it is today, you know, in this wicked and perverse generation that we live in. And um, it's just so sad to see, you know, how, you know, how that's been perverted. But I could see how, um, you know, Satan would be so jealous that he doesn't have that ability that Adam and Eve had, that they were given, um, you know, to to procreate and, you know, populate the world basically through mm -hmm. through the means that God has, you know, sanctified in the holy, you know, um, the holy <laughs> uh, union of marriage. And so, you again, you just see something um, so wicked, you know, it doesn't show, you know, Lucifer married to this girl. He's just kind of like, oh, we're dreamers. We're just kind of doing our thing. And oh, we're, it's like, oh, we're just trying to be free and have ideas. But, you know, but we're, we've been punished wrongfully. But again, it's like the biggest, you know, again, lie of just feeling, um, of, you know, Satan trying to portray himself as, you know, being this poor, innocent thing when he is the first, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Delusions. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a cult. <laughs> like, like that's almost what I feel like this, this video is this, you know, this, this movement is with, you know, um, you know, this uh, almost like a Gnostic gospel portraying God as evil and Satan is really the good guy. You know, um, it is kind of Gnostic and maybe that's why there wasn't a specific God, but just, you know, beings of light that is more Gnostic. And then I'm just thinking here too, like the brim hat, that that's actually more like they're trying to paint him as like a wizard or a sage. Mm. And 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 in um in a lot of these occult traditions, there there is great value on sages, these people with this um divine originated knowledge that then passed it down. And Enoch was supposedly one of this the great sages and uh the Hiram, the guy who built the temple, was one of these. So it's, uh, I wonder if that's why they give here Lucifer the hat they do, since he is the almost like the Prometheus who gives fire to man, the uh, the God who gives the forbidden knowledge to human beings. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And he, I mean, almost like I've seen, um, you know, those who practice voodoo, um, like the men mm. who, who do that, it looks very similar to that kind of Yeah, a, it does look like that too. Yeah. All right, let's continue. And the wicked, ashamed, Lucifer lost his will to dream. But Lilith thrived, empowering demonkind with her voice and her songs. And as the numbers of hell grew, so did its power. Threatened by this, heaven made a truly heartless decision. Pause. That every year. Pause. <laughs> my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Like, the voice and song giving voice and, and song it sounded like it's a beautiful thing but this is not like there is song that is beautiful that we see it in scripture all the time but this is this is not what what is uh, yeah what is interesting here too is it portrays not lucifer as having the that music but 
Lilith, which is interesting because in the Bible, Ezekiel chapter 28, Lucifer is portrayed as being uh, musical. Uh, it says, you know, when he was, you know, in Ezekiel chapter 28, starting verse 14, it says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. Um, you know, you were in the holy mountain of God um, until iniquity was found in you. And, um, oh, excuse me. And it talks about um, that, you know, the your pipes, like he had almost he had pipes built within him. He he was a master of music. Lucifer had a great musical ability, not um, not this Lilith that they're portraying, um, which is you know just interesting that they're just being obviously unbiblical in their you know description of how you know Lucifer operates. And then to call heaven heartless, yeah. are you kidding me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life to save people from this sin, to save people from hell and darkness. Like, how is God in any way heartless? Like, that is the, again, like, that's the heart is breaking here. Exactly. And that's Satan's character of being heartless, being portrayed to God. Yeah. Projected onto God. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, we'll talk about it at the end but again if you're god and if you're being fox falsely accused and basically satan's projecting all his evil onto you how would you prove to you to the universe that satan is the liar that he is the one who's causing trouble and you really honestly do mean good for the whole universe how would you do that if you're god think about it mm -hmm. so let's keep going they would send down an army an extermination to ensure hell and its sinners could never rise against them. Pause. So, of course, we know that there will be a day, right, when God will bring an end to the rebellion. And he will, you know, those who choose to align themselves with Satan will be destroyed with Satan and his angels. But here it's making again like, yeah, it's, it's an act of evil as opposed to an act of necessity to bring peace and harmony back to the universe and put an end to death once and for all. Exactly. So. And an act of mercy to mm -hmm. those who are trying to live peacefully and lovingly as a, you know, in opposition to Satan, whose only goal is to kill and steal and destroy. And so, you know, to bring harmony and, and a safe environment to those who are willing to, you know, live peaceably. And, I'm, we're not the ones who observed it, but there's other people who have noticed Hollywood has this reoccurring theme of this big bad boss who shows up on planet Earth with like tons and tons of minions that darken the skies and this great apocalyptic scene that is always very reminiscent of the descriptions of when God is going to show up with his angels and will lay waste to the earth. So it's interesting, like Satan is grooming planet Earth to be scared when God comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so sad because like, you know, God doesn't want to destroy anybody. Anybody. It says, you know, in Second Peter 3, God is not willing that any should perish. You know, he's long suffering that, you know, because he wants all to come to repentance. And, um, and that's what breaks my heart is just seeing how they are portraying, you know, God's character in such a way to, you know, to distort it as as if God is somehow this mean, evil person. But, you know, it says in, um, I believe it's the book of Isaiah, he talks about, you know, the strange act, like God doesn't want to destroy. That's not his character to destroy. It's his character to create. And it's, again, out of your saying, only out of complete necessity that he would 
um, you know, respect the choice of those who choose sin and death, that that would be their consequence. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going. But Lilith's hope remained, and her dream was passed down to their precious daughter, the princess of hell. Don't worry, mom. I'll make you proud. All right, there Yay. we go. So if you're Jesus, if you're the father, how are you going to prove to, to the universe that the problem is with Satan? And I think this is where the cross comes in and why the cross was so important. The cross wasn't some magic, magical event that just happened so that God would appease himself. And that's the way it's often casted, that mm -hmm. Jesus had to die on the cross so the Father would be willing to open his heart, heart up again to us. And that that is paganism. That's not the truth. The truth is God had to come down in the flesh, become a human, come in weakness, show us what it means to truly love, to truly be the opposite of what the sociopath and the the narcissist is where you're just wholly emptying of yourself where you're acting solely in the benefits of others jesus always the whole time was taking care of others dealing with their interests even to his detriment mm -hmm. and as he said no greater love is this than to die you know to lay down your life for your friends and then that's what he did too he proved he took his words to the cross he died and it wasn't just died. He let Satan nail him to the cross. That was Satan doing it, uh, leading that charge. And by doing that, by not fighting Satan with force and let Satan unilaterally be the one to use deadly force, God revealed the true heart of Satan and that it was Satan who is the one who leads to death, who leads to, leads to pain, who is the liar, who is the one who just, again, just brings pain and suffering everywhere. And Christ, by taking it, by always helping others in every single moment of his life, showed the true character of God. Yeah, and just the ending there really, ooh, to me, because <laughs> like hope, like hope is the most, one of the most important things we can have spiritually. And that distortion of hope, that delusional use of the word hope, that wicked use of the word hope, ooh, yeah. like hope is good, but that was a very perverted form of hope. Definitely. And that's what I mean. Obviously, Satan, everything he does is, you know, a counterfeit. It's a twist, a perversion. It's always something he takes something God has made because he can't create um, and so he takes something God has made and, and basically makes it terrible and deadly and disgusting or, you know, something in that, that manner. And yeah, exactly. And I'm like, she's like, I'm not going to let you down. It's like to do what, to, to make more people lost, to lead more people to hell, to lead more people to destruction, like to just keep going with the rebellion and, and lead more people to rebel as if that's a good thing so that's that they can get lost and, and not experience you know, God's love and, and salvation. So, and you, yeah. I think what you just said there, right there, just completely nailed it. Like it is that, you know, Satan's goal is to 
lead the rebellion and to get people, to keep people from God, to, to take and distort all of God's truth into something that is not true, to separate people from the love of God. That is the whole, that is his whole purpose. If he can't have their love, he just doesn't want God to have it. That's yeah. like, that's the whole, that's the whole purpose. So he's distorting everything good so that people about God, so that people don't actually want to get to know God. And the thing is, it's what's so funny about what you, or true about what you just said is that, you know, that's basically, again, we're going back to the Garden of Eden. Um, you know, it's Satan coming to Eve. You know, when you read Genesis 3, I mean, it's so interesting, the fall, because um, it always baffled me. I'm like, why would Eve do that? And then why did Adam eat it? Um, you know, mm -hmm. Satan knew what he was doing. He was being very sneaky. And he used the love that they had for each other against each other. Um, you know, Satan is so uh, manipulative. And that's, again, a huge attribute of a, of a narcissist and of a sociopath is they, you know, pin people against each other who should not, who are trying to be on the same side. And, you know, um, when you look at Genesis chapter three and uh, what um, he, you know, the serpent says to the woman um, in verse, you know, starting verse two, it says, you know, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat, or sorry, let's go back to Genesis 3, 1. Um, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast. And he says to the woman, has God indeed said, like, did he really say you should not eat of every tree of the garden? So he's asking a question to invoke doubt, doubt on God's word. And then she goes, you know, we can eat of it, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, he says, you should not eat of it or else you'll die. Um, she says also, she adds touch it, which, you know, she was kind of adding a, a precautionary thing, which was not a bad idea, but, you know, she's probably being overly cautious for good reason. Um, you know, lest you'll die. And then he says, you will not surely die. So he's calling God a liar. And, um, you know, he says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. So again, he presents, you know, something good coming out of this rebellion, something good coming out of disobedience. And, um, and the woman, you know, she starts to think, you know, it's not that she's thinking, oh, so I mean, as much as, oh, I want to know more, but also he hit in her heart the doubt of God's love towards her. And when you start to doubt that God really loves you, that's when you will fall every time. Because why would you serve a God that doesn't love you? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But, you know, and so Satan knew exactly what she needed. He knows that women, you know, are, are a big part of what we need in life. We need to be loved. We need that, that love in our hearts. Um, that's, you know, crucial to our, our mental, physical, you know, spiritual, everything, well-being. And, um, so he attacks that. And in so doing, you know, that's where she's just like, okay, I will give into any, you know, she's looking for love now in all the wrong places. And she, you know, partakes of that fruit. And then she goes to Adam who, you know, sees that she did it. And he's just like, you know what? He loved Eve so much. He did not want her to die and him to live on. He, you know, he, his love for Eve was what, you know, motivated him to partake of that fruit. And so you see, again, you know, Satan knew exactly what he was doing. He was manipulative. He was, you know, selfish and he was, he was a, just a big liar. And so again, like you can't, you know, I can't, I'm sorry. I have no, no, you know, um, I can't 
sympathize with Satan because yeah. I know his intention was only to hurt and, and only to hurt God's people because he's angry at God and he knows that he can't hurt God. So he'll hurt God's people whom God loves in order to hurt him. And, and I think the biggest danger of this film, and and it's not unique. There's so many other videos. This is a, this is a reoccurring theme in many Luciferian videos. Is it's all about building the sympathy for Satan yeah. and, exactly. and for demons, and they're the poor one, poor oppressed ones, and we need to join in the rebellion. And the truth is, if you want a better life, if you want to actually like have be full have peace have fulfillment have true satisfaction in life like joy all of that like you're not gonna find that in that rebellious approach it's it's just not there you're only gonna find that when you realize that that's a dangerous route to go down and decide to go to God instead. Yeah. God's ways, God's ways of love and, and selfless giving to others is the only way that all of us can peacefully coexist and find true happiness and have life abound. It's the only way. And that's why God requires it because that is the only way we can all be happy, all have free will and, and coexist for eternity. Exactly. And it's so beautiful that, you know, when God says, um, you know, Somebody asked Jesus, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, you know, says there's actually two. One is to love your God with all your heart. And, you know, and to, the same is, you know, just as important to love your neighbor as yourself. And so God's law is based on love and unselfishness and not on this rebellion of, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want. And basically, I don't care what that means, which means you're going to end up hurting other people in the process. Mm -hmm. And so how is that something worth you know, getting into fighting for and being any part of, I don't want that. I want to be a loving person who loves other people. And I want to be somebody who's safe to be around that. I'm not going to, I'm going to control myself and not do whatever I feel like because I have love and respect for other people and their needs and their safety. So. Amen. Yeah. I know we've gone on this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we got I, some questions from our friend, Robert. Actually, All right. Let's, let's look at that. All right. So first question here. So Robert, yeah, Robert said, oh yeah, comment. Happy Sabbath, Tina, Wendy, and Jay. I hope you guys have been great. I miss you guys and may your Sabbath be filled with joy. Amen. Thank you so much. We hope yours is as well. And his question is, my, my first question is, when did the New Testament and the New Covenant start? Is the New Testament and the New Covenant the same thing? My friend had asked me this and I had the same question. Okay, quickly answer this, if that's okay. So the New Covenant begins with um, in the biblical concept, there has to be shedding of blood for a covenant. So there was blood shedding co um, covenants with Abraham. There was with Moses. And then who was, where was the blood shed for the new covenant? We see this, uh, for example, Matthew 26, 28, when Jesus, for example, is having the final Passover with the disciples and he holds up the glass of wine. He says, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. And so it was his death on the cross, the blood there that sealed the new covenant with, with all who would be uh, believing in Christ. And upon his death, we see in Matthew 26, 51, it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. But the significance of the veil being torn in the temple was showing, uh, sort of confirming here that 
now that temple is hollow, the services there are meaningless because that old covenant with Moses is now done away with. As Jesus said, near his final days, looking at Jerusalem, he says, your, your house is now left unto you desolate. So that, so the death on the cross marked the end of the old covenant, beginning of the new covenant. Now, when does the New Testament start? Well, New Testament, Testament and Covenant more or less mean the same thing. That's what we're talking about. But if we're talking about when did the books start being written, then that would be, uh, nobody has an exact date, but obviously it'd be sometime after Jesus's uh, death and resurrection going to heaven. So starting around 40 AD, we have some chances on the books being written. Again, we don't have exact dates. We don't even know which book was first. Was it Matthew? Was it Mark? Yeah, we don't know. So but that gives you a rough time period, around 40-ish AD. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right, next question. In Genesis 1-2, when it says the earth was without form and void, does that mean that does that mean the earth has always been here, but it wasn't completed? And three, when did God create time according to Genesis? So um, just really quick about Genesis 1, chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse 2. This is something that I've definitely thought of myself. You know, um, I teach this to, you know, children at church, you know, creation. And this has always been a little bit interesting to me, um, you know, and I almost want to say to answer ver um, question three about, you know, when did time start? You know, in, in Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that is the most basic thing, you know, as far as the beginning of what, the beginning of our time, time that, you know, um, of this world, you know, I mean, has God always existed? Yes. God is eternal. So God, you know, never invented time because God's always, was always in existence. But as far as time with us, it was, you know, Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. Um, and was the world here? I mean, it seems like there was something here. Um, I don't exactly the waters. Know. Yeah, exactly. That meant. Exactly. Like a big ball of water. I'm not exactly sure if there was you know, dirt, sediment, material within the water. We're not exactly sure. Um, but there was some sort of water. Yes, here. Um, like it says in verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so, um, you know, people say, well, how was it, you know, void? Um, and without form, but darkness was on the face of the deep. So it was like, what I imagine is it's like a big empty um, ball of water in, in essence. And, you know, it, it didn't really have like, it's saying a form, it was just kind of there and just kind of rough. Um, it says in yeah. darkness, just like, you know, a dark, deep ocean that you can't see anything. Um, and I and think so we should be clear when we're talking about earth, we, we're not talking about planet Earth because that's how we modern Americans think you know, with with our technology and, and science. But when the Hebrew is using the word that we translate Earth, it's the word Eretz. And it could mean more like the ground, the land. So if the whole world was watery at the time, there's no land, there's no ground. It's un, unformed. I think that's kind of what it's getting at. It's just it's water. And, and mm -hmm. the water there especially has a great significance because it's sort of symbolizing chaos. It is the opposite of creation. It is uncreation. Exactly. And then, you know, God stepping in, obviously the first thing he creates is light. He said, let there be light. And so, um, you know, it, and it, it, which 
in essence, it's kind of interesting because, you know, obviously God is light, you know, he, he, is, he is light, but he brought light to this world um, as the first thing. And I almost think he did that before the sun, moon and stars on day four, just to show that, you know, he is light. He is the giver of light, not the sun, moon and stars. God is the truth. He's the light. And obviously with light comes all the color and, you know, making the world something beautiful and vibrant. And that's what, you know, God wanted to do. He wanted to make something, you know, an environment that was you know, beautiful, happy, healthy um, for his people. And you can only do that when there's light. And so it's almost like, I don't want to say this world was just like an empty um, ball of water. that <laughs> was just like in the corner of the universe. But in essence, like that's kind of the idea I picture I get when I read Genesis chapter one. And then God stepping in and saying light and then, you know, the firmament, air and, you know, the sky and clouds. And then, you know, day three, dry land and day four, sun, moon and stars, day five, fish and birds to fill the, you know, the trees and the, the water. And then day six is, you know, the animals and Adam and Eve and the seventh day he rested. So. And then I mean, yeah, going back to time, mm -hmm. I, even physicists don't agree on what time is and does time even exist uh, as a fundamental concept. What mm -hmm. I mean by that is, uh, like for us, would we exist if there was no such thing as an inch and a foot? You know, wouldn't we still have dimension even if we didn't have a way of measuring distance? And it's sort of same thing, like time, like our concept of seconds and days and all that is an artificial construct we have to, you know, we created this dimension for, for allowing time for movement to occur. But it perhaps would just... It's a natural consequence of even just creating space and allowing things to move in space. And thus, there is going to be a dimension of time. And it's not necessarily a, a separate thing that God would have created, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's so interesting. Somebody was talking about how it's time, space, and matter. Like, you know, that's how that's what existence is, is time, space, and matter. And um, those all those three are just, you know, blow our minds. Because <laughs> how do those come into existence, you know, you can only ask a, a self-existent and holy God. So, um, and Robert, you have another comment below this or question that I, I think um, helps. Yep. It says also about my question about the day of creation, was the ocean created before the sun? I read that God was hovering over the waters in the void of, in the void earth. Yeah. So it looks like from the Bible that the waters were already here. The water was already here. Cause the only, you never say here, God say, let there be, um, water. He only says, let there be dry land on day three and let us separate the water from the dry land. And so, and then he makes all the vegetation and yeah. food on day three. In, in Genesis 1-1 is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It intentionally does not say God created the waters that day. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of interesting because when you look also in the, in the, the Bible and you look at, you know, water, it's, you know, it's almost like life, like um, like the living water, like you look at Revelation chapter 22, it says, you know, let anybody come and drink of the water of life freely. It's like God's just self-existent because he, in essence, is water. Like his spirit but, you know, is water. Like he is life. But, but it's also interesting that water also means death and, and, and deconstruction. So you also read the Bible. There's a lot of examples of water, like Jonah, for example, being associated with death itself. And this concept of going down to the abyss, going down into the grave. So, yeah, so it means both life and death, which, interestingly. Which is also interesting because when you look at, you know, the laws of thermodynamics, um, it says, you know, matter can neither be created nor destroyed, but God is the only true creator and he's the only one who can truly destroy. 
Um, which is, you know, why Jesus says, you know, don't be afraid of him who can, you know, destroy your body, but just fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell, which obviously only God has that ability to fully and completely destroy. And God is the only one who has fully that ability to create. So, um, I mean, it's yeah. like a hard drive. You could destroy a hard drive and then God will say, well, <laughs> as long as I had the cloud backup, you can never wipe out that data. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. God could always bring us back if he wanted. Let's see, we got some more comments. Yeah, so we have a comment here from Gospel of John. It says, no question, just a praise as my friend and I went to church last week for the first time on Sabbath. I just want to praise God and also thank you guys as you've been very helpful in this walk. Oh, wow. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, we love to see people coming to know God more and more in their life so and we're glad you could find a friend to share that with yes absolutely and, and have the experience yeah. with we pray your church gives you a good welcome amen yes may god keep blessing you as you study his bible and and um fellowshipping with fellow believers mm -hmm. that's wonderful amen all right shall we get our next question up i know we have a list all right there we go all right so this one is from Carol. Why did God ask Hosea to name his child Jezeel? So um, in Hosea chapter one, verse four, let's um, go with it, go there really quick. And if you know the story of Hosea, um, it's kind of a sad story. Um, Hosea was a prophet um, of Israel back before they were destroyed by Babylon. And um, in, um, in the, in the, in the, story, excuse me, Hosea is asked by God to go marry a prostitute named Gomer. And he um, has a child. And the first child's name, it says, then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in a little while, I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel in the house of Jehu. And so um, uh, when you read this, it's kind of interesting, because um, the word Jezreel, if you look at Blue Letter Bible, look up the meaning of the name. It says God sows or God has planted. Um, and what's interesting, too, about Jezreel, it's also a valley. Um, as you know, mentioned in verse 5, um, it's where Jezebel was killed and buried. And so I almost wonder if God named him Jezreel um, to just signify that, you know, this was going to be an end. This was going to be, um, you know, this is where God was going to, you know, put something in the dirt and start something new. Just like when some, you know, um, a seed has to be put in the dirt, it has to die in order for there to be a new life. And so in the same way, Israel, you know, as a nation was spiritually dead at this point, they were, you know, fully given to idolatry and wickedness. And so in a sense, you know, um, God always told his prophets to do things as a symbol for the nation, you know, just like, um, Ezekiel, he had to lie on his side for, you know, um, so many days and each day counted for a year. Not like that's how many days they would be, you know, suffering or, or going through a certain trial. And so, um, same as it is, you know, in this situation, God is saying, you know, have, have a son, but call his name Jezreel. And so, it, um, which means God is planted. God is doing a work of, you know, basically settling the score of, you know, putting an end to, um, the most varying, you know, um, the sin of Israel and starting something new. Um, that would be my take on that. Um, I don't know, Jerry, Wendy, you have anything else on, on this one? Nope. I think that's good. 
And then we uh, got some follow-up questions from Robert. Yep. So Robert says, so would you say that water existed before the earth in a sense? And yes, that's exactly what we're saying, Robert. We're saying, according to the Bible, the water was already there. It doesn't tell us when it started, when it was created. Obviously, there had to be a starting point. But in the beginning, it starts with there was there was the water and then God created the heavens and the earth. And again, it's important to not think of the earth as, in terms of how we think of the earth today. When we say earth, we think the planet. To the Jew, when it's talking about the earth, it's talking about the, the land, land mass, stuff that people can walk on and animals could walk on. That didn't exist. There was just water at the beginning. And then God created the, the atmosphere and the skies above the, so what we call the heavens. And then God created the land uh, where later he adds the trees and the creatures to be on. So next question. Good questions, though, by the way, Robert. I love this stuff. It's a great topic. And he says, I appreciate your answers, too, and we appreciate your questions. All right, let's get our next question. Up. That's another quickie answer. I like this one. So Nellie is asking, is Joseph the son of Jacob and Rachel the same Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus? And thank you, Nellie. The, the Bible can be a little confusing because we see often many people bearing the same name. I mean, just take the name Jude and Judas. There's tons of those people in the Bible. And we don't even know if the Jude who wrote the book of Jude was the same as like one of the disciple Judes. <laughs> we don't know. There's so many people called Jude. Uh, Joseph is one of those popular names, obviously, because of the, the famous Joseph. A lot of people would be named after him. But we can see the lineage of the different Josephs, if we turn to Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 2, and it begins with Abraham, because Matthew is talking to the Jews, and the Jews especially want to trace their origins and everything back to Abraham. So chapter 2 begins, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and then Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. So who were the brothers of Jacob? This is where we have the 12 brothers of which Joseph and Benjamin were, were, were both the sons of Rachel, who was the favored wife of, of Jacob. So they should, would show up very early on. So where it says Judah and his brothers in verse 2, that's talking about then the famous Joseph who was down in Egypt and became the second in charge of all of Egypt, only second to Pharaoh. Then we go down and Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez begot, 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 begot. I'm not going to read all of those because we'll be here for a while because that continues all the way from verse 2 until we get to verse 15. So 15 verses of, of this going on it says Iliad begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan and Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph. So a little confusing, right? Because not only do we have two Josephs, but we also have a Jacob, another Jacob, who begot a Joseph. And it says, this Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So, so we see the full lineage of Jesus going all the way back from his father, Joseph, to then Abraham, ultimately the, the father of of the whole Hebrew nation. So two different Josephs. Hope that clarifies things. And thank you for the good question. Yeah. And just to let you know too, there's a third Joseph in the Bible too. If you ever get to that, uh, there's oh, yeah. Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. 
Um, you see in Matthew chapter 27, verse 57, um, you know, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. And so um, just, you know, uh, basically it was his tomb that Jesus was buried in. And so, yeah, there is a lot of Josephs. There's at least these three Josephs that I know of in the Bible. But it's just so interesting. Yeah, the Bible has so many like Zechariah's. It has a bunch of Michael's. It has a bunch of mm. Joshua. You know, it has a lot has of Joshua's. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of people, a lot, uh, more than one Manasseh. So yeah, you you really and, have to. And when you understand that a lot of the New Testament names are just Greekified Old Testament names, then I actually mm -hmm. realize there's a whole lot more too. Because like Jude is just the short the the Greekified Judah that we read was one of the brothers of Joseph. So yeah, yeah a lot of repeated sense. names. Exactly. So I see we're at the hour, so I think uh, we'll go ahead and close it for tonight. But we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. We want to just um, pray that you were blessed. And if you were, we want to ask you to please um, be a blessing to us by liking and sharing our content. It just helps us to get God's word out. And that's what we want to do. We want to share the gospel. We want to share God's love and his truth of the Bible with the world around us. So in your if you find your heart to to do that, we would really appreciate it. And if you have a question that you'd like featured on our show, if you have something on your heart that you'd like to ask us, um, be sure to go to our website, bibleask.org forward slash live, and you can submit your question there. And we always love getting these wonderful questions um, from people all over the world. It's such a blessing to hear from all of you out there. So thank you so much for joining us. So before we close, we want to always end on a word of prayer. So um, dear one, do you want to pray? Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we could spend together and thank you for our friends who joined us and pray a special blessing for all the viewers and um, also a special blessing for our friend John who has been going to church now on Saturdays. I pray that you will bless him with a wonderful church community that will be supportive and uh, really help his spiritual life and blessings from him, protect him from the attacks of Satan that often come when we try to walk according to your will. But please give a solid hedge of protection around him and um, pray for all of our other viewers and questioners and people that you will continue walking them through, uh, through your truth into the light of your life and uh, the life of your light and that we may all look forward to that day of your coming when you come to gather your people to bring us into eternity and eternity free of pain and suffering and death. And again, we just pray that as many people as possible can see your truth and see your love and not for, fall for the rampant uh, deceptions that are all around us. And this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. And again, uh, we hope to see you guys again next week, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you, we hope that you'll join us and you'll be blessed. All right. Good night, everybody. And God bless you. Bye.